Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Ken. And my name is Dean. And we will be reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 through 9. Then he laid down under the bushes and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thanks, Ken and Dean, for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. What are you doing here? So I was at a job about 10 years ago where I had a, a role to supervise churches and pastors in a geographic area, a district superintendent, for those of you who know what that means. And so I was uh, in an area where I was doing that kind of work, and because of some personnel changes in the conference staff and some other things, the current bishop at that time asked me to take on some additional responsibilities to that. And so I said, sure, I'd, I'd Wanted to do it. They were important things I, I wanted to do, had to be a part of that. So, so I did. So I uh, got into that, and I was meeting with uh, a team of people. There. It's called a Committee on Superintendency. Sounds important, doesn't it? Uh, they, and, and their job was to kind of provide some guidance for me and support for me and then accountability for me. And so we were meeting, and they were tr- wanting to understand all the job changes and what I was doing. And so I was kind of detailing, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, going through all the process. And then um, this really smart, wise woman sitting next to me, whose husband was a United Methodist clergyman, uh, she, uh, she said, so what day do you take off every week? I said, uh, well, right now I'm not taking a day off. And she said, okay, well, so, so how many hours have you worked in the last week? Well, I could, kind of felt like I was about to get really cornered here, right? And so I said, you mean the last full week? Do you mean the last? And she said, the last seven days. Do I count today? Because I'm still trying to stall, right? She said, yeah, yes, counting today. Today's number seven. So the last seven days, how many hours have you worked? Well, math, math's not my strong point, and so especially when people are staring at me. So I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to think, and I'm trying to figure out, do I carry the one there? And so I'm trying to add all that together. And I, and I, and I finally said, you know, at the end of this meeting, I'll be at about 71, 72 hours. And she said, and what about travel? Because every week, I, in the, I was in New Mexico, so there's, everywhere is spread out. So there's, every week, you got meetings to drive out to and then drive back to or fly somewhere, stay in a hotel, come back. And uh, so I had to add that up too. And I said, well, it'll be uh, somewhere like 11 or 12 hours this week. And she said, so over 80 hours. Yes. And she turned in her chair to where she was facing me, had her arm on the table, and so I turned to look at her. You know how sometimes somebody just locks you in their eyes? And she locked in on me, and she said, Jeff, that's not sustainable. I mean, just, just like that, that's not sustainable. 
kind of like asking, what are you doing here, Jeff? She was right. I was operating beyond capacity. We all have a capacity, right? We all have this kind of bandwidth. We understand that. This, this amount of time and effort and energy and strength that we have to do whatever it has to do. And yes, there are times you've got to go beyond that. Yes, things happen in life and you've got to operate beyond that. But it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Well, I don't, know, I don't know what the big deal was. I don't know why she was pushing me on that. I was 20 pounds heavier than I am now, and I uh, had high cholesterol and high blood pressure, and I couldn't sleep at night. But besides that, everything was fine, right? It's what we tell ourselves. What are you doing here? Maybe a good question to ask ourselves every now and then. So today we're going to talk about the focus of taking care of our physical existence, our physical lives. As a part of Soul Reset, as we've been talking about what it means to kind of do a reset or restart, well, we've got to take into account our physical selves as well, because God, you know, God loves all of us. Now, generally, we say that, and we mean God loves all of us, right? Yeah, but God loves all of us. It, 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 this is not just about giving your heart to Jesus, and that's it. You remember the great commandment, right? I mean... To love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength. Everything about you. God cares about all of it. And so often when we talk about church, we come to church, we think about Bible studies, we think about prayer, and all we're thinking, and mostly we're thinking about our spiritual life. Well, that's important, obviously. But there's our physical life. And God cares about that too, and God loves that part of us too. Because that's what we miss what so often when we think of salvation is only about giving my heart to Jesus and I get to go to heaven. We miss the word meaning of salvation, meaning it's about a wholeness of life. An abundant life in the here and now. So it's important to remember that our body is the vehicle of our soul in this lifetime. Our body is the vehicle for our soul in this lifetime. And so it counts too. We can't talk about a reset without talking about our physical existence. So we have this reading today about uh, the prophet Elijah, a very important figure in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, he had just come off of a literally a mountaintop experience. Uh, he had challenged the, the prophets of Baal, or sometimes we say Baal in the Old Testament. Uh, he challenged them saying, your gods aren't even real. They don't even exist. You do all these things and call on them, and they don't, they don't even exist. They can't do anything. So I challenge you. You offer sacrifice. You do these things and, and call on your gods to act. And nothing will happen. So then I'm going to offer sacrifice, and I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to call on my God to act, and God will do it. So sure enough, that's how it played out. I mean, the prophets of Baal uh, did their thing, and nothing happened, and nothing happened, and they cried out, and they cried out, and they kind of finally just gave up. <laughs> Elijah says, okay, my turn. So he creates the altar, he does the sacrifice, does all the things, and God shows up. The fire of heaven comes down, consumes the sacrifice. I mean, it just, it's this dramatic thing. And even the prophets of Baal are crying out, your God is Lord, your God is Lord. I mean, this was a, this was a, a big deal. Now, Queen Jezebel didn't like 
what happened. And so she sent out word for uh, the execution of Elijah. So he fled. He left. Ran away. He's not going to stick around for that. So he's out in the wilderness and he curls up under a tree and goes to sleep. I bet he needed some rest. An angel wakes him up and gives him some food and water. And he sleeps. And the angel wakes him up again. More food, more water. And on the strength of that rest and nutrition and hydration, he's able to make the long, long journey, 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb to meet God. He rested. He refreshed. He reset. You see, God knows that we need to take care of ourselves. God knows we need to take care of these bodies that we have. We know it too, right? We know it too. And we know the right answers. We know the right answers. I mean, it's not lack of information. It is not a lack of information about what it means to really take care of our physical existence. We, we have that. Sometimes it's just not our thing to do it. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think there's a lot of reasons why, why we hold back from that. I think part of it is a denial of our own capacity. We, we, don't, we don't like to think that there are limits to my life. There's limits to what I can do. There's limits to my existence. There's limit. We don't want to, we don't want to think about that. We want to think that everything is possible. But at some point, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to acknowledge we have a capacity. We have to acknowledge things that are sustainable, things that are not sustainable. God knows this, and so God created the Sabbath and commanded the observance of the Sabbath. So interestingly, of the, of the Ten Commandments, I think that the, that the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy is probably the most broken commandment of all. Because now we, you know, we, we'll come to church, whether it's online or in the room, but, but that's not the same as Sabbath. You can worship on Sabbath, sure, but Sabbath is about something else. It's that command, you know, to not work, Put things aside to rest, to be aware of God's presence. Yeah, we have a hard, hard time doing that. We have a really hard time doing that. You know, it's interesting, the way the, the, the Ten Commandments are laid out in Exodus 20, the, the first three really have to do with our relationship to God. You know, like the command, you will have no other gods except me. Okay, well, that's, that's about us and God. Commandments 5 through 10 are more about our relationship to one another, you know, like do not lie, do not steal, do not commit murder, you know. Coming in at number four is the command about the Sabbath. And it has the most verbiage to it. It's like a little paragraph saying, this is the Sabbath, this is why you do it, this is how you do it. This, I mean, it's, it's like, almost like this is really important. In order to maintain your understanding and your balance of your relationship with God and your relationship with others, you need Sabbath. But we still struggle to do that. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons uh, probably for that. But I think a lot of it has to do with what I talked about last week when I talked about things that are important and things that are urgent. Things that are important are those things that we take initiative, we choose, we say, I need to do this because it's important, right? 
It's not, there's nobody out there calling for me to do it, but I know I, this is important. And so I'm going I'm to call that friend. I'm going to spend time doing this thing that's for my, my health. I'm going to, this is important. Urgent are things you have to react to. So these, I'm not talking about urgent like crisis. We'll talk about crisis next week. But urgent as in something demands your response. The phone ringing is urgent. Because in that moment, whatever you are doing, you've got to think, do I take the call or not? And of course, if we don't recognize the number, we generally don't. But at the same time, we have to stop what we're doing, and we're interrupted, and I got it, so that's an urgency. Or your phone dings because you get a text, or whatever it is. That's, that's urgency. And anymore, everything is screaming for our attention, right? Screaming for our reaction, wanting us to do something, making things seem super easy and tempting and instant. I saw an ad the other day. You probably know you've seen them too. It's for a mortgage company, and it was like, pull out your phone and go online and do this right now, and you'll get almost instant answer. Well, think about that. For a mortgage? I mean, that's not a small thing. But, well, do it. Do it now. Do it now. Urgent. So everywhere we look, something is calling for our attention. So, what do we do? What do we do? We're, over, we're overwhelmed with the urgent. Well, I think there's some things we can do that are a part of Sabbath. Whether it's on a Sunday, or a Saturday, or a Wednesday, or a... There's something about intentionally having Sabbath at some point in the week that is important for you to do, to set aside that time. So one of the things to do in a Sabbath is to take a balcony view. You've no doubt been at some kind of event before where there was all kinds of things happening. Maybe it was a large convention, maybe it was a ballroom, uh, something. And, and you were like on, a, on the mezzanine level or you were upstairs being able to look down. And from there, when you look down, you, you really see all that's happening, right? You see all that's happening. Whereas if you're down on the floor, all you can see is what's right in front of you. That's all you can really deal with because that's all you see, that's all, especially for those of us who are not very tall. That, that's all you can do is right here. Well, it's kind of like our week often because you get up, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, keep going, keep going. And all we can see during the week is just what's right here. So part of Sabbath is, in my mind, taking a balcony view, looking back over the week. Over the last seven days, Jeff, what are you doing here? What are you doing in terms of your physical health? What are you doing in terms of your emotional health? What about your mind? Are you trying to engage your mind and maybe learn something this week? Are you, what did I do over this last week? Taking stock. That's not to beat myself up, not for you to beat yourself up, but to see what happened. Get the balcony view of your life. Then, Make sure you do repleting activities. We talked about, I talked about this before. There are things that deplete us, that just kind of they drain us, they wear us out. There are things that replete us naturally. I mean, there's obviously some things about our physical bodies that we ought to do to replete ourselves appropriately. Again, we don't lack information on this. <laughs> we know what these things are. So figuring out what that is, appropriate sleep and movement of some kind if, or exercise during the week, eating appropriately, all those kinds of things. To read something, engage your mind. Seek to learn something new. I know somebody, that he, he subscribes to one of those word of the day things. 
And then he challenges himself. He, he, he gets that word, knows what it means. And, and this is a young guy. And he, he just makes sure he uses that word in a sentence at least a couple of times that day, every day. Because he wants to continue to learn these new things. Do you engage your mind? And then I think of it as repleting activities for your spirit. And these are probably more unique to you. What are things that just kind of, ah, this just feels good. This just gives me life to do this thing. You know, for some people, uh, baking and cooking is not that. That's just something you got to do. You're going to go through the motions. For some people, that feeds their spirit. So they need to do that on those days. Whatever it is for you. For me, uh, I like to write. I like to write. And so when I'm in my kind of Sabbath time, uh, sometimes I write about what I, what I see from the balcony view. <laughs> I look back over my week and I remember, man, I was, really, I was really agitated at that. Why did that agitate me? So I, I needed to write about that, kind of like a journal. Sometimes I have an idea for a story. And I, I like to write short stories, so I just start writing a story. That, that feeds me. That gives me life. I love to do that. For some, it may be singing. It might be listening to some kind of music. It might be, might be working in the yard. For some people, that is repleting. Whatever it is for you to intentionally do those things. So you've had a balcony view. You're doing repleting activities. And the third thing about Sabbath, and this is probably the most challenging, is to eliminate urgencies. Eliminate urgencies. Now, I know what you're thinking already. You're thinking, but Jeff, I can't help that. People call me. People text me. Things show up in my email. I can't tell all those people no. I can't stop everything. To some extent, that's true. I'll tell you the one thing, the one thing that will eliminate most of that. Turn your smartphone off. Or at least put it in airplane mode. For a little while. Not all day, just a little while. Maybe just the time you're going to sit there, you're going to take that 30 minutes, that hour, I'm just going to be here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, I'm going to write, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to whatever it is, whatever it is for you. I'm going to put it on airplane mode. It's amazing how freeing that is. That's what I do when I go uh, walk or run or ride my bike. I, I put it in airplane mode. Now, I do have my phone with me because I, I did learn my lesson several years ago and I actually hurt myself out running. Um, so it's helpful to have a phone just in case, but it's on airplane mode. So I, I just, I don't, that's, no. That time is for something different. I do it at other times as well. I don't leave it that way all day. But 99 point whatever percent of the time, people can leave a message and I'll get right back to them. I mean, really, have you noticed, I mean, sometimes whole family sitting in rooms and everybody's looking at their phone. I have to confess, our family did this recently, and visiting from Phoenix and L.A. and other places, and we're all looking at our phone at one point. It's like, what are we doing? Or people walking along, missing all of life while they're looking at their phone. I know there's times you've got to do that. I understand that. You know, at a certain point, your life is your life. My life is my life. We have to decide who, who's going to have the agenda of my life. 
Who controls the agenda of my life? And for many, many, many folks, boy, it's that smartphone. That's what controls their agenda. Silencing that phone, airplane mode, turn it off, whatever it is. You know, I found a church. I found a church that actually takes this super seriously, and they have a liturgy that they do on, on, in their worship, and it is a, a, a liturgy led by the pastor, and the people respond, and all these things, and that a, a part of the liturgy is people power off their phones, and someone comes along in a basket, and they turn their phones in, because when they come to worship, they're there to worship. Then they redistribute the phones at the end of worship. And they even have a prayer then, when we, as we turn our phones back on. Yeah. God created Sabbath so that we could know wholeness in a whole new way. That it's not just about showing up to church. It's about all of our life. Making sure we put ourselves in a position where God can do that work in us as we take our balcony time. We do repleting activities. We eliminate urgencies to the extent that we can. That's Sabbath. One of the things you might do to help you after you've put your phone in airplane mode, there's a phrase in the Old Testament that I, I, I like. It's just be still and know God. Be still and know God. And if you just sit quietly for a little bit, and as you inhale, think, be still. And as you exhale, and know God. And just do that several times. And after a little bit, you really begin to feel like, maybe I can connect with God. That'd be a good thing. God created Sabbath for us for our health and our wholeness. I want to invite you to pray with me as we close the message as we've been doing in this series. The words will be on the screen. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath. We thank you that you knew we would need a day to simply enjoy your goodness. We confess that we often confuse rest with laziness. Reset our hearts and give us the wisdom to set apart time for play, for rest, and for recreation. You are good and you are faithful, and we are ever grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.